Let me get started with this. Let's do it. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Thank you so much for joining me. This is the podcast, The Endurance of Labor Laws. I'm your lovely host, Leslie Sullivan. Today is episode 252, and today I have a wonderful guest. I am interviewing my neighbor Jordan. So we're going to get started with this puppy here. He is a wonderful neighbor, and I'm getting to know him really well. So I'm going to interview him today. So let's get started. So Jordan, tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're going, where you're from, all that good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, once again, my name is Jordan. I'm from Edmond, Oklahoma. Uh, born and raised. Um, I went back and forth in between Missouri as well. Traveled a little bit. Got a lot of great experiences. Uh, now uh, I'm currently a server at a fine dining steakhouse, and I model on the side. Model in New York and Paris. Um, just finding my way. I'm young. I'm 21 years old. So just taking it one step at a time. Awesome. Tell us more about New York and how you get involved in that scene. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thankfully enough, I just took a leap of faith to go up to New York during Fashion Week. I had the intention to uh, get signed to an agency, and uh, thankfully got to got the opportunity to do so. And traveling back and forth has been beautiful. It's opened up my eyes to a lot of different cultures, a lot of different ways of living, and uh, a lot of opportunity as well. Uh, super thankful. So, how would you describe uh, the type of living in, in New York City compared to Oklahoma? I would say New York is definitely a lot more fast-paced. Uh, yeah, fast-paced. Um, there's always something to do. People are always moving. Uh, it's a very, very dense city in of itself. But um, there's always something to do. And in Oklahoma, I would say it's a lot slower. It's a lot more comfortable. I think there's more of a, a bubble built around Oklahoma. In my I opinion. agree. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I agree with that for sure. Um, we talked previously about uh, some of your modeling gigs, and describe to me the modeling agency and how you get signed on, and how that works, and how you travel with that. Absolutely, um, it can be a very difficult process, but it, if you break it down in simple terms, um, you take uh, digital, what we call digitals within the industry, where you have a certain uniform that you wear, whether it's, it's usually just a tank top, some jeans, and some shoes, or some boots, whatever your preference is, and you hit certain poses that agencies look for, the left side of your face, the right side of your face, some headshots, uh, full body so they can get an idea of your physique, uh, and then some measurements. Um, you measure your waist, your shoe size, your inseam, your height, Uh, let them know, uh, let them, letting them know all the juicy details about yourself. Mm -hmm. And uh, you submit them to an agency's website, or if you get scouted by an agent, or if you know an agent through via Instagram, TikTok, etc., um, you can submit it, and they'll give you, uh, they'll either reject you or they'll take you a part of their team. What are some of the things that they're looking for right now, would you say? Ooh, I would say that the modeling industry is diversifying for sure. Um Preferably, I know that they like for male models. They like the heights in between five eleven to six three, but that all depends on the eyes of the holder. Uh, the beauty is in the eyes of the beholder. Mm -hmm. um, so I really just say take a shot if you feel like you have an interest in it and a passion for it, and you'd like to do it. Um, take your digitals and send them over. How is the industry different from male modeling to female modeling? So I I find it really intriguing. Um, females dominate the industry. It's a female-dominant industry. Um, if you look at a lot of the supermodels, a lot of the icons from the 90s, the 2000s, uh, even, shoot, some of the 2010s as well, um, they lead the way, they pave the way. And male models are starting to make a, uh, make a dent within the industry as well. 
uh, talking about that diversity mm-hmm. and um, I, for, yeah, I forgot the, the for, forgot the question. I'm sorry. No, no. Yeah. Um, I wanted to know, like, like right now, the United States is going through a lot of hiccups. I would say which, with transgenderism and like what is considered a man, what is considered a woman. Gotcha. And so it kind of makes me wonder. You know, how is it possible for traditional women? I don't mean traditional in terms of like your values, but like someone that's actually born a woman. Mm-hmm. How is it possible for someone that is actually born a woman is biologically a woman? How can she compete with or land gigs if she's having to compete with transgender men? If I'm using the right word, like yeah, men that absolutely. transition to women, I get that term mixed up. But yes, do explain. Of course, um, it really comes down to your features and what you. I, I know there's a lot of male models that have an androgynous look where they both look. Non-binary, if you want to classify it as that. What does non-binary mean? Uh, basically, saying you don't identify with the gender. You kind of look both ways. Think of like a non-binary name as like Jordan. It could be a girl's name and a boy's name. Okay. But, um, a non-binary look is, or an androgynous look is a better way to put it, is where you can both look male and female. So it's almost like being a hermaphrodite, where like you're you're born like technically with both. Sexes, if that makes sense, yeah. or is this just how you're looking? It's just how you're looking. Okay. You know, whether you have a uh, whatever reproductive reproductive organs that you have, mm-hmm. uh, it really just comes down to your look in general. Okay. Um, so yeah, there's a opportunity for everybody. Um, there's a lot of uh, people that have transitioned from male to female, and they thrive throughout the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, really, just comes down to once again what they're looking for. Well, I will say this. I remember when I was younger. Of course, I say younger. I'm 39. I'm not saying I'm old, but I am young and a spring chicken. My goodness. Okay. So I remember um, when I was a little girl and throughout my teenage years, I remember going to the mall and at the mall, like we started to have that store. I think it's called Lane Bryant. And it's like for what used to be considered obese back in the day. Now, the sizes that are in Lane Bryant are not considered obese. They're kind of more considered normal or mainstream sizes. Mm-hmm. So how does that affect the modeling, I would say the modeling industry when it's like, what is supposed to be like the good size for a woman? And how is that going to be advertised? You know what I mean? Absolutely. I would say it comes down to the brand at that point and what the brand is looking for. Um, a lot of brands... Uh, from my perception, have added in a lot more, I guess you could say, plus-size models to mm-hmm. where uh, all the models just aren't always skinny or super slim and fit. They've they've added uh, all different sizes of people, and women especially as well. Um, so it comes down to what the brand is looking for. Well, I'm curious about this. Why is it that there is a kind of a niche for plumper women or obese women but not for men in the modeling in the modeling industry I would say because I haven't seen anything geared towards plumper men right usually when you think of plumper men you think of middle-aged men with a beer you know kind of thing right um, I would say there's been uh, an uprising in that of in that area as well I would say there there is plumper men I saw a runway I think it was uh, in January February um, and they had a plus-size model walk a show Uh, It was for a high fashion brand as well. I'm not sure which one it was, but Mm -hmm. there's slowly an uprising. Uh, They're starting to become more open to all people, which Mm -hmm. I I think is awesome. Um, But, yeah. So what direction do you think the the modeling industry is going in terms of what is considered for women and what is considered for men, considering that most of the population of the United States – 
I would say is fairly conservative. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So how is that? How do you see that changing and shifting in the modeling industry? Conservative in which way? Well, I know that there. You know, I'll use myself as an example. Like mm-hmm. I used to love to read Vogue and Bazaar and some of those really high fashion magazines. Now mm-hmm. I don't read them anymore because they they sexualize things that they should not. Um, they promote transgenderism. I don't necessarily agree with that. And it's just too political. So if anything, mm-hmm. it pushes me away because I am conservative. It's like, well, I still love high fashion. Right. You know, like I love Christian Dior and, and the couture, you know, all that good stuff because it's beautiful because I'm French and all that good stuff. So mm-hmm. it's like it's just like when something pushes me away, I'm not going to be a part of it. I'm not going to buy into it. Mm-hmm. So it just makes me wonder why why would the modeling industry I guess a better question would be why is the modeling industry at least in your opinion going towards all this inclusivism but within inclusivism it's pushing away a large segment of their population or of their customers because a lot of people are heterosexual right. they're not transgender they're not homosexual I think with time everything changes and new creative directors a new generation is coming along to where they are creative directors and they just may have a more open mind and they're wanting to reach a certain group of people rather than what they've had um i would say in my opinion thinking about it on a broad scale um you of course whenever you're wanting to include more you're still going to lose uh some of that core mm-hmm. but uh, as long as you keep uh some of your core or you do a compl- as long as you keep some of your core you have a foundation of what you're going going for um and it'll continue to grow mm-hmm. uh, i just think people are just wanting change I, i've noticed that creatively uh, there's always change new ideas being pushed out or um old ideas being recycled and just put in a new perspective mm-hmm. um so i think a lot of people are even communicating um what they may have been through through the clothes or uh through the photo shoots and through the i think uh they're they're expressing more about themselves about mm-hmm. it so well, I'm curious about this so you know, there is a previous podcast I did I think it was like probably over 100 episodes ago um we talked about um one of the labor unions that is for it's for pornographic film stars like like adult film stars mm. so the thing that I don't like about the pornography industry is that it's a form of sex trafficking for women and children mm-hmm. and yet the porn industry it idolizes um the human body in a way that's that's not really supposed to be done that way mm-hmm. and so i just wonder like what is the example that we should set for society within media and things like that cuz some things are considered acceptable some things are considered uh protected at federal law like even pornography some aspects of it are protected by federal law that I don't think it should. Mm-hmm. And so because I see that it makes me wonder if that's to do with some of the things we're seeing in modeling these days and some of the advertisements not all of them but some of them are just they're kind of pushing the envelope and I just wonder okay is this the image that we want to have within our country and within our society? You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I know a loaded question, that right? Is, that is a great question. I would definitely think about that for just a quick second. I'd rather respond rather than react, you know. Yeah, I don't blame you on that one. It's tough though. Absolutely. I really don't have a definitive answer. I've finally gotten comfortable with saying I don't know. Mhm. Um Yeah, I don't know the answer to your question. That's a great one. Mhm. Well, it's just I've seen um I've seen where it's like the advertising 
Sometimes I've seen ads where it's like it's so provocative and so touched up. I can't tell unless they say what it's for. I can't tell if that's like a porn star advertising something or if it's just supposed to be a normal ad. And so I just look, you know, I'm 39, I'm 39 years old, but I remember when I was a little girl, you know, ads were what I would consider normal compared to what's going on today. And I just remember, you know, as a little girl, you know, we we look up to mentors, right? And mm-hmm. so I just think like as a little girl, if I were a little girl today, what exactly would I be looking up to if there's so much broad-mindedness? It's like people do like definitives. You know, like we like to know what color our hair is, what kind of car we drive, things like that. So I just wonder like how does this affect basically a childhood of someone that's growing up today with with, with an industry that's changing so much even mm-hmm. something like modeling greatly affects everything because it's an industry absolutely and it's advertised everywhere mm-hmm. i i have more of a grasp of it um who i would say pornography in general definitely does affects to the mind and the fact that we are people that are pushing out the clothes i would say they like to make it more enticing because it catches the eye it's not mm-hmm. something that's of the norm or it's like sometimes you look at it and it can be viewed as taboo you're like why do i see why do i see a nipple out on an advertisement mm-hmm. you know um but it but it catches the eye because it's uh so of the abnormal and i would say that's a better description of where direction is going now it's just abnormal it's not something that you see and it gra- grabs your attention because it isn't uh what you usually see um as a role model um i i really think that comes back down to the person and where their morals are um where they stand with it i know how it can affect the younger generation uh, especially mine um i i've had a lot of conversations with a lot of a lot of kids my age and we've talked about the pornography addiction and how it becomes a cycle and how it ruins relationships um but i think it takes uh consciousness and i think it's something that needs to be talked about enough mm-hmm. um i don't think that it's talked about enough and i think that's where a lot of the problems uh evolve mm-hmm. um so if there's somebody or a comfortable space to talk about the problems um like the great questions you've asked now i think there would be more room to grow and people would have a greater grasp of their mental health mm-hmm. for sure um i was reminded of that there's a company i think it's what's it called it's called just fans or only fans Oh, only fans, yeah. Man, I was looking up um I came across it via like looking up a labor union. I was like, why is this popping up? Right. And it's just kind of like, you know, some of the some of the websites that to me that I think are disturbing um that I think lead society in a in a different direction that I don't really think is positive. A lot of these companies and websites are started by some really weird men. Nothing gets men, but these are some weird men from overseas, like over in the Soviet bloc and in Europe. And I think what we tend to forget here in America is that what is considered taboo here is not taboo over there. Right. But yet they're doing business here. So what is considered abnormal here is considered normal over there, but it's like the more you're exposed to something, the more it's seen as normal and the more your brain or just your lifestyle tends to adapt to it would you say that that has any influence on that yeah absolutely i was going to say that's a great point um the more exposure you get to it the more it becomes normal mm-hmm. and i can't say that's a good thing or a bad thing i think those labels come down to how it affects a person um mm-hmm. i feel that people have the power to make decisions whether it's good or bad for them mm-hmm. um speaking about past experiences 
I've had a lot of things happen to me that I could have just tucked away and stayed in the fetal position and, and not done anything about it. But uh, you can make good out of the negatives. But we do have to recognize what it does to the mind, you know. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, something else I thought of with um, with larger models is the – I know there's kind of this trend where it's like now our society is like embracing – I think it's called – called disabledness i'm trying to remember some kind of weird hashtag but it's like basically you're supposed to embrace anything and everything that you are even if it's not healthy for you oh, so wow. yeah it's, it's i'm trying to remember what the other hashtag was for it but it's like you know i've seen some larger models and some some entertainers that are larger especially the women and it's like okay they're obese and they that could easily lead to diabetes but they're like don't fat shame me it's like it's not shaming if you want someone to be healthy right. so it's kind of like I guess I guess I'm curious as to how like in the modeling industry and you know within the people that you know like how how is it really discussed about what is what is how I describe this what exactly is considered a healthy lifestyle versus a healthy healthy occupation where you make money you know what I mean mm. I haven't ever thought about separating the two a healthy lifestyle compared to a healthy occupation yeah because they should go together typically right um, wow. I know, I mean, through some of my experiences as well, um, especially being in Paris, they have a different lifestyle and, and, and way of living. Um, I know that an American lifestyle, growing up poor or middle class or even rich, um, I know it can be a hard transition, at least seeing that you do have to be on the slimmer side. Um, I noticed with the quantity of portions Uh, in America compared to Europe, Europe is way smaller and they walk everywhere and mm-hmm. they have more access to be it's it, they have more freedom to be healthy whether they're conscious of it or not. Um it's it's a walkable city like New York in of itself. Mm-hmm. Um in Paris I didn't see many plus-sized people is the best way to say it. Yeah. And um I I think when it comes to when it comes to at least modeling in my eyes, um there is a good There, there there is a good balance. It really just depends on what your diet and lifestyle compares to that occupation. Mm-hmm. So it uh, once again, I think it comes down to the person and how they live, the decisions that they make. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious, how long did you live in Paris and what was your favorite thing? I have to so ask. So I didn't I didn't live in Paris, but I was out there for a month. Oh, that's cool. Um so I was out there for a month um for fashion week uh, of January this year. Mm-hmm. And it was phenomenal. Um I realized I was setting an expectation to book a show and this was my first time in Paris, first time going to castings and I didn't, but I realized that's okay. Um and I've accepted that the experience of being 21 in Paris is phenomenal, mm-hmm. you know. Um funded it myself, uh, a lot of great food. I love wine, lots of great wine out there. And the French weren't as mean as I thought that they were going to be. Really? But I think that comes with um how you carry yourself. You just have to respect the cultures. Um of course there's going to be people that aren't as nice as here in America or the southern hospitality, but that's a part of it. But mm-hmm. you get to explore the city every day. Uh the walking will get to you. It is a lot of walking, <laughs> but uh it's definitely worth it. Uh, especially the metro system too. I love the transportation out there. Mm-hmm. Um you can buy a metro card for 60 bucks and you can travel anywhere throughout France. Awesome. Wow, was, Oklahoma I'll, needs that. Absolutely. <laughs> for sure. Absolutely. That's why everybody here drives a car. We don't 
we we don't have that exactly <laughs> exactly I think we have like the Greyhound bus but um I don't think you want to get on that here in Oklahoma not at all no it's, it's always smells funky Well, it's like the wild wild west. You never know if you're going to stop at a saloon. I mean, really, it's it's Absolutely. a little different here. <laughs> Absolutely. But I'm curious, so like, you know, did you get to see any wineries in in France or anything like that? Like, what is your experience with wine and what are your favorite wines? I'm curious. Ooh, great questions as well. Um I didn't get the opportunity to go out to Bordeaux, France, mm -hmm. uh where they do the where they specialize in doing Bordeaux blends, uh, mm -hmm. different grapes together in France. But um, definitely next time I'm out there, I will I will uh, fund my trip to go to a, a, a vineyard or a winery uh -huh. just get the full experience with it. Um, but me personally, I'm in love with uh, ooh, there's a lot of good ones out It's there. Tough. Yeah, there's a lot of good ones. Um, recently, I've really been enjoying uh, Gamay. Uh, yeah, yeah really? it's a kind of grape from uh, that they do in France. Um, they usually compare it with the Petite Syrah, uh, which is another grape, but uh, it's phenomenal. It's it the Gamays that I've had recently are, are just super light, comparable comparable to a Pinot Noir, uh, where it's light on the tongue, but uh, it has a different level of depth in there. Okay. And that's why I like European wines. They have a complexity, and they usually, from from my opinion, I think that they pair the wines with the food. Yes. Uh, when I was in Milan. I've never had somebody pair wine with my pizza, but it was like the best experience oh, wow. that I've had in my life. That um, is awesome. <laughs> I wish we had that here. Pizza Hut needs to look into that. Exactly. I think they're missing out on a money opportunity. They for are, because sure. people will pay for wine. I know I will. Absolutely. I wow. know they, they do it in a upper crust. Um, oh, I cool. I don't know if that's a local food chain or if that's everywhere, mm -hmm. but uh, they have good wine that you can pair with your pizza out there. But Oh, man. Now I'm going to dream about that. That'll be nice. Absolutely. <laughs> For sure. So I have to ask. So in terms of, like, traveling, so you, so you talked about the metro in France. So how, like, what airline, I'm curious, did you take to get to France and then come back? So I scheduled, or I booked my flight through Delta, mm -hmm. and Delta transferred me to Air France. Awesome. So I took Air France there and back. Okay. Um, How would you rate it? Was it nice? What was it? That is the worst part of traveling overseas, <laughs> is if you get economy, it's not going to be a pleasant flight all the time. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I remember... Especially traveling through Atlanta as well, Atlanta and yeah. Chicago, just two really big airports that everybody flies into. You can get lost in it. Mm -hmm. um, and I remember I got on the plane to go to France, and I took a nap. I love sleeping on the planes because I usually never sleep before I get on my flight. Mm -hmm. And when I did that, I took a two-hour nap, and the plane still hadn't moved yet. And I was, I was, I was enraged. I was so mad. I was on the plane for 12 hours and the flight was nine. So we were there for three hours. Wow. But wow. other than that, uh, you, you can fall asleep if you have uh, some melatonin or if you have a laptop on you, yeah. just something to occupy your time with, you'll be all right. Did they give an explanation as to why it was so delayed? I think I was asleep for that part. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I would have been like, I want three hours worth of my money back. Right. It's kind of what I would want. Need a refund. <laughs> you know, did they serve you like a regular meal or was it snacks? Like, how was the service? I'm curious. Yeah, so the, the service was good um, to a certain extent. I don't eat the dinners, but I eat the breakfast. Mm -hmm. um, I, I just can't stand the airline food, but that's just my taste, you know. Yeah. 
Um, but it, it was good. Uh, I just remember, I remember the ladies speaking French. And I was like, damn. Uh, I was like, dang, French is a beautiful language. I love it. it. Is. I love it. But I remember they were like upset with me, or they they were just super direct with me for some reason. They were like, monsieur, monsieur, and they were like, they were saying something like, can I take your trash? Can I take your trash? I was like, I was like, yeah, you can you can have it. But they were just like getting to it, and it just it threw me for a loop. I was like, I guess this is the introduction to French, you know. So they were a little snippy. Absolutely, absolutely, just a little bit though. But after experiencing it, I was like, it can't get worse than this. So, <laughs> so they kind of put, pushed you through the gate, and after that, everything was fine. Absolutely. Once I touched down and I was finally able to walk, I was like, this is beautiful. I'm so glad I'm here. <laughs> wow. Wow. So I'm curious, with staying in France for a month, like how how did you set up those arrangements? Was it through like? Um, just on your own or through Airbnb? Like, how did you do all that? How did you navigate that? I'm yeah, curious. so I was lucky enough to just pay a fee to my agent that was uh, in Paris, and he gave us a fee, and he booked a hotel in Paris. It was a little bit on the outskirts. I'm not sure uh, where it was, but um, I was there for about four days, and then we were talking with another one of the models. We were at something called pre-castings to where Uh, you basically just get your face out there and just get ready for uh, the real castings, mm -hmm. uh, I guess you could say. And um, we were talking with the model, and he asked us if we were going to Milan, and we were like, I don't know, we're here for Paris. And then we talked to our agent, and our agent was like, who wants to go? And I was like, me, I'm already out here in Europe, <laughs> I want to explore. Yeah. And um, I convinced somebody else to go with me. And we both went together, stayed in Milan for about seven days, did castings down there, just got good experience, mm -hmm. um, and got to explore Italy. Italy is one of my favorite places, for sure, mm -hmm. uh, specifically Milan. Um, stayed there a week, then we went back to Paris, did a few more castings, and the fashion week happened. And my budget, um, I spent way too much money on wine. So. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> a so, wise investment, though. <laughs> absolutely. Definitely worth it. I spent my money on wine, and I realized I had to fly back sooner, so I flew back two days early. Wow. Okay. So I'm curious, are castings different um, in other countries as opposed to here in the United States? Like, what's the process? Because so, I know nothing about casting. Yeah. So I'm, I'm fairly new within it as well, um, but through my personal experiences, um, You have your digitals, you get them ready for Fashion Week, your agent goes through a runway walk, want to make, wants to make sure that you're, that you're ready to get a casting, because your agent gets paid off of you as well. Okay. Uh, they take a certain amount of commission, just depending on that. But uh, they get you ready for Fashion Week, and then they start submitting you to casting directors. And uh, some, most of the cast, or not most, but some of the castings are private, Um, they select you through taking your digitals, mm -hmm. uh, and then others are open, so they're willing to take anybody. Um, you do have to have your comp card set up. It's usually a headshot, uh, a full body shot, or maybe just one beautiful shot out of your portfolio off of a test shoot or something, and then your measurements with it. Mm -hmm. And you take these comp cards to every casting that you go to that you're sent to through your agent, and uh, you wait in line with all the other models. Which is my favorite part, to be honest. I love it just because you get to connect with like-minded people, get to mm -hmm. talk about where they're from, how long they how long they've been here, and then you know after castings and everything, you can go and grab lunch or dinner or whatever. So uh, that's my favorite part. But you hand your comp card to the casting director, you do your runway walk, 
if they like you, it, it really depends. Uh, sometimes they'll take your photo right away or they'll take your photo at the end and they'll get back to you or they won't. And it goes from there. What exactly is a casting director? Is that someone that's in charge of the show or they're, they're picking the people or what exactly are they doing per se? So um, at the, a casting director, I'm sure, is the one who picks you, okay. um, who enjoys your look. And um, if your look fits the show, that's exactly what they're looking for for mm-hmm. the designer. So they're the one that helps have the eye. Um, to pick out the right models for the show. Okay, so it's not the actual designer picking out the models per yes, se. Yes, I'm sure. I'm sure there is instances where the designers do so, but I I think it's very rare. Wow, that is cool. Yeah, awesome. I love all this talking about modeling. It's so much fun. So I'm curious, like when you got back, what is the experience that that you pulled from that, and how does this help your portfolio in terms of moving forward? Oh, absolutely. Um, I think it really helped. Uh, with character development in the direction that I wanted to go. Um, I accepted that I am in an industry that you have to face rejection. And it's all about how you bounce back from the rejection. Mm-hmm. Um, your mind, um, you have to think positively about it. I, I would say the emotions that are invoked from rejection can be a beautiful thing if your mind is in the right place. Uh, you get to use the emotions as a guide to where you want to go next, whether you want to take a pivot out the industry or if you want to just dig deeper within it. Um, it's a lot of valuable lessons within that. Wow, that's the most that's a really awesome way to describe that. That's really mature. I love that. Thank you. So I'm curious, like, would you consider this like what you're doing now a stepping stone into your career? And where do you where do you see your career going and what exactly do you want to do with all this? Of course, uh, that's another great question. Um, there's a lot of I don't knows within that, but with the direction, um, I enjoy clothes. Uh, with modeling, I enjoy the opportunities that come with it, the people that I get to connect with, um, the traveling. I'm, I have a travel bug that I just can't get rid of right now. <laughs> so um, I just want to travel and connect with others. Um, I'm really, my interests are gravitating towards anything creative. Um, whether that's make, wanting to make short films or doing photo shoots of people or with people or being the one that's in the photo shoot, kind of doing styling in that aspect, or even making music. Um, but I would say modeling, right? those are a lot of uh, side hobbies right now that can grow. But mm-hmm. uh, I, w- I would love to have modeling turn into acting. Yeah. Um, I've always had a passion for it, was in theater for a little bit. Um, but fell out of it uh, just by my my grandparents forcing me in another direction, which is okay. It's perfectly fine. <laughs> but now that I'm older and I can make my own decisions, uh, I'd love to get back to what I loved as a child. For sure. So if you're wanting to get into, uh, into acting per se, is that more, I say, would that base be more out of Los Angeles or New York City, or does it depend on the project? So, uh, again, yeah, it does, it does depend on the project. Um, but there is a lot more of a market out there in L.A. just because it's Hollywood. Mm-hmm. As I've explored New York, I've seen a lot of opportunities with up-and-coming people my age and people that may go to Parsons or any of the uh, artsy schools out there in New York. Um, there's a lot of great film directors or uh, videographers out there that uh, you can connect with and may get an opportunity to be a part of a short film and mm-hmm. continue to build your portfolio from there. Awesome. So I'm curious, when do you plan on moving out to L.A.? It seems like Ooh, that is an endeavor. I, 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 I really put my faith into the universe at that point. Um, I've put the energy out there um, that I would like to explore it. 
connect with people and see how it would make a fit for LA. I haven't been out to LA yet, mm-hmm. uh, but I have a lot of friends out there and people that I've connected through the internet or mutual friends. Um, but I think a trip is coming upcoming this year for Los Angeles. Awesome. So, I mean, do you get to do like any fashion shows or anything out there or kind of like casting calls or anything like that as of yet? Absolutely. Uh, I haven't got to do any of that yet. After Paris, I've it's been a little bit slow, so I, I had a mullet beforehand. It was like more of like a... I looked like Patrick Swayze, which is crazy. But, <laughs> That's awesome. Um, I didn't think... I don't, He's very successful. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, I don't think the Europeans took it very well with my look. Uh, <laughs> I mean... It, Those it, Europeans. It, it, <laughs> it looked cool, and I loved it, but um, I decided to take a different direction with it. Um, yeah. Just trial and error. Um but yeah, it's been a little bit slow, but I've updated my digitals and working on building a portfolio. So those things take time. Um, it just comes down to uh, my agent and my work ethic uh, just kind of aligning with each other mm-hmm. um, and hopefully getting back out there again. Uh, yeah. So how does it work with working in the modeling industry but currently being stationed here in Oklahoma City? I know we have some agencies here, but it's obviously not the same as elsewhere. You right. know what I mean, kind of thing. So how do you still continue to to get your por- your portfolio out there and continue to land jobs or gigs when you're here in Oklahoma. Is that more like Internet-based? Like how does that work if you're not there in location? Right. It is very Internet-based. Uh, one of my friends, he's, um, his career is taking greater, greater leaps and he's taking bigger steps. And what his agent does is that they submit him um, to a casting or a casting director or they submit him for jobs that are open. And... Through, vir- through the vir- virtual agreement, they will fly him out there for a set rate, how much they'll pay him for, what time, where, and he'll stay out there for a week or so, mm-hmm. accomplish the job. And then if something else comes up, uh, he can fly back to L.A. or fly back home to Oklahoma City, just depending. Uh, but it's very spontaneous, which is why I love it. I kind of thrive in chaos sometimes. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, that would be kind of fun you know, if you have the travel bug and, you know, you – you can get up and go travel at a moment's notice, and you get to get paid to do that, basically. Absolutely. So that's always a good thing. So I'm curious, are there any other, like, fashion weeks? Like, I, I saw one. I think there was one. Was it France? Or there was one. There's one that's going to be in Spain or something, because I look at different fashion news. But are there any other fashion weeks that you think would be really cool to go see that are in other countries that you are aware of? Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, I would love to go to go and do Milan and actually see the fashion week happen there. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't get to see Paris either. I'd love to see Paris. New York, I was there. Um, New York, I'm not too, not always super excited for unless a European fashion house comes to New York, like mm-hmm. Fendi or Marnie. Um, but uh, sometimes they do come here. But I, I really enjoy the resort fashion weeks. Uh, the resort fashion weeks recently, um, Dior has been in Cairo, Egypt. Oh, um, awesome. I forgot which brand was out there in um, Mumbai, but they were out there in Mumbai as well. Mm-hmm. And that, that really interests me. I would I would love to be able to go to... Uh, very exotic locations and do a fashion show out there and just just explore while I'm there. Yeah. Um, I, I really, I enjoy indulging in other cultures. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's one of my favorite things to do. So what is, I would say, how do you describe this? So of the cultures that you've seen so far, which ones really just fascinate you? Ooh. I would say... 
Italy for sure, mm -hmm. but I enjoy Southern Italy. Um, it just has this this old aesthetic to it that I love, and um, it's a little bit more simple than it, at least in my eyes. Mm -hmm. um, not very educated in what the politics are like out there, or the economy, but uh, from the conversations that I've had, um, they take a three-hour break uh, for lunch. Mm -hmm. um, they're not overworked entirely. It's really their choice. Uh, they have a great health care system. They bike everywhere. They can bike everywhere. They have the opportunity to do so. The cities are walkable. The food is fresh. Um, they have a beautiful view every day, and it's sunny most of the time. Like mm -hmm. uh, The southern, southern Italian lifestyle really speaks to me. Mm -hmm. For sure. You know, my mother and I were over in Italy, I think it was in 2011, and uh, we got to see several parts of it. And I was just amazed at how this may sound different, but we didn't see a single car wreck over there. Wow, really? Not a single one. And I was like, but they drive a little crazy, not as bad as in India. And I haven't been to India, but I've seen, hmm. you know, documentaries of India and they, they like have no lanes, but they just drive all over the place and yet they don't run into each other. In Italy, you know, the roads are very small. Of course, their cars are small, but we did not see a single car wreck. And I was shocked by that because, you know, we see car wrecks all the time here in the United States. Dime a dozen, way worse than Dallas, Texas, my personal opinion. But I just thought, how is it that they don't have any car wrecks and yet they have a bumper crop of scooters everywhere? Did you see a bunch of scooters there oh, or, or mopeds, whatever mopeds, they're called? Mopeds, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I saw that everywhere. And I was just like, how is it they all know how to drive that well? I was just impressed. <laughs> Truly. I, like, I learned, I actually learned how to parallel park just by watching people drive in Europe and in New York. I didn't know how to parallel park before, but after watching it happen, um, I was like, oh, I can, I can do this easily now. Yeah. I saw somebody in New York. I, I didn't think the car would fit. I really didn't. <laughs> but they did like an 100 point parallel park. Like, they turned, like, a hundred times and maneuvered the car, went back and forth, like, a hundred times. And then, after they parked it, they just drove right outside of it. Just right away. I was like, what, what was the point of that? But it helped me learn, which I thought was crazy. Their driving wow. skills are unparalleled out there, at least from what I've seen. Well, I think with New York, they fight over those parking spots oh, because absolutely. it costs so much money to put their cars in, like, garages and things like that. But, you know, what's interesting is that I didn't know how I did not know how to parallel park until I took my I think it was my my driver's ed test mm. or it, it's the test where you get your learning permit or something. You have to practice it like in an actual car. And uh, my vehicle was an 85 Fleetwood Cadillac. So, oh, wow. yeah, it was a tank. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it was a tank. And um, my uh, my exam instructor, he felt so sorry for me. He He goes. I'm going to have you try in parallel park and it's got to be on a hill. And he goes, but I don't want this thing to roll down to the center of the town. Right. He goes, so just do your best and we're just going to drive off. <laughs> what it happened. So, I love that. Yeah, he passed me because he didn't want to get in a wreck because <laughs> the car was so large. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. So that's kind of a different way of learning how to drive. But you know, I can't imagine driving like an 85 Fleetwood Cadillac in Italy Or in New York, I you, you'd probably get kicked out of town with that thing. Yeah, not gonna happen. Not <laughs> gonna happen. Maybe New York you could get get away with it, but yeah, um, Italy's a little like the note. The roads are a little bit more narrow, mm -hmm. and that's the hard part. That's why they all drive Fiats out there, and they're all mm -hmm. kind of small. Mm -hmm. Well, you know what I found interesting? You know, when my mom and I were over there, 
um, we were going through different parts of Italy, and the the tour guide would tell us which areas or which roads or, or bridges tanks drove over during World War II. And I was like, these roads are still up. Like these bridges can right. take it. And I'm like. You know, of course, most of the people in our group are from Oklahoma. I'm like, man, our roads suck compared to this because we have to get a new bridge like every two or three years because you have cement falling off. Yep. I was just like the the man. cobblestone roads have been there for for hundreds of years. Yeah. And ours can barely hold for five. I'm like, wow. I'm just like, you know, we may have truck drivers driving through our state like crazy, but I mean, Italy had tanks. Tanks driving across those things. Oh, and there were no potholes. I, right. I, I looked for that. I was looking. I mean, just the things that you look for when you're overseas and you're thinking about like what you're used to or you're from. I'm like, mom, there's no car wrecks. There's no potholes. I mean, it was just so amazing. I Absolutely. was like, and they're socialists. I'm just like, it's I'm surprised yeah. they don't. <laughs> I'm surprised they don't have issues right. <laughs> with their roads. Just cracked me up. But my mom's like, of all the things to notice, Leslie. You notice that I'm like, well, I've already noticed the fashion, but I noticed stuff with cars because, like, you know, like here in Oklahoma, I know like there was one time I had a pothole. I swear they come out of nowhere. Oh man, it dinged my tire and my rim. So oh, man. yeah, so like from then on, I had like a slow leak. I'm like, I'm not replacing that thing until it absolutely like just just gives out. Just gives out. It's like I'm not investing in that because you know I know it will happen. I'll buy a new tire. I will buy a new rim, and I'll just hit another pothole. That they haven't filled in yet, so it's like you know, I I love investing in our economy, but not repetitively for the same issue, if it's not going to be addressed, kind of thing. I agree. So for sure, but you know, I'm trying to think if there's any other questions I can think of. Is there anything else that you want to tell us about Italy, France, Paris, modeling, whatever the case may be? Everything has sounded so much fun. Oh, thank you, thank you. I mean, I feel like we we we've covered a lot when it comes to that aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah. No, it's it's a it's an interesting journey, and I always recommend taking just a leap of faith if you really believe in yourself. Awesome. But yeah, that's excellent advice. I wish more people, and I pray that more people do that. Same here. Because I think I think it sucks to sit on the sidelines of life and just you know what I call basically expecting God to drop grapes in your mouth. And he's like, no, you have to get out there and live your life. Yeah, exactly. You know, if you If you want grapes, you got to take a step outside and go look for the uh, the vines. You know, mm-hmm. um, it, it just takes that action. As as hard as it may be, just be courageous when it comes to what you want to do with your life. Don't watch your life just kind of rot away. Mm-hmm. Excellent advice. Well, on that on that positive note, I will go ahead into this podcast. Thank you, Jordan, uh, for joining me. I'm definitely going to have you on another time. Please, I'd love sure. to be back. Thank you all for listening. <laughs> awesome. We will let you guys go. Have a wonderful week. Thank you so much. Bye bye.